my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm off my game today. No, you're not. That's true. People are going to have to start making better content. I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time. When you program for everyone, you program for no one. I think it's that we're a purpose-driven platform. Like, we're trying to get to substance. How okay. was that? Are you happy with that? Yeah. This is marketing therapy right now. It, it really is. <laughs> What's up? I'm Laura Carrenti. And I'm Alexa Kristen. Welcome back to Atlandia. Episode 17. Did you like that? Atlandia. It was very nice. It's like October. It felt very Halloween-y. It was Halloween-y. Was it. You liked it? Yeah. That was good. <laughs> um, so we're not going to get into our usual preamble today. It was advertising week last week. Yeah. And I think if you want to know our thoughts and opinions, you can go over to at Atlandia Podcast on Twitter. A lot of common themes. What's the future of the agency look like? Big data. Data, 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 Lots data. Of conversations around data. Yeah. One of the funniest things I saw was um, a tweet about artificial intelligence, and somebody said, I will give somebody five bucks if, if they, they can define it. Panel, if yeah. they can define what AI actually means, <laughs> um, which is super indicative of where our industry is at today. So we have a lot of thoughts on Advertising Week. We have a lot of thoughts on industry events in general, but we're... Like panels? Like, yeah. We're so bored with some of them. Actually, can I just say one thing? I was impressed with the IAB. They did very small, um, what they were calling leadership dialogues. Um, and I got to catch uh, John Martin, who's the uh, CEO of Turner Broadcasting. It was a really honest, great conversation. There may have been maybe 50 people in the room, and we were sitting with him. And I think that that model, the format, the, format, the physical format of it, was really um, refreshing. I give Randall Rothenberg and all the folks over at the IAB big props on that because it was just a refreshing format. And I actually felt like I got to know John a little bit, if I can call him that, Mr. Martin. So it was good. Because the concept of panel is just sometimes speaking to an empty room or it's really tough. Advertising week, a lot of it takes place in the middle of Titan Square and just happened to be like 97 degrees last week, um, which makes for a lot of fun and dodging people to get to your panel and you're sweating and your bronzer's running or maybe that was just me. But I think, you know, 
ultimately, and a lot of people were talking about the idea of moving to that sort of intimate format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got the opportunity to speak on a panel um, with, for Notch, and um, they did a gorgeous job for their Kanach. Yeah. Spelled Kanach. K-N-O-T-C-H, a measurement company. And Anda Ganska, their CEO, did a beautiful job putting together both her Super Normal Awards, complemented with a panel discussion in an intimate theater, um, which was really cool and different. It was nice to get out of um, a Times Square. So I think we're going to come back. We're going to come back with some ideas. And we're even thinking about some things for Adlandia. So, uh, you know, IRL. Anyway, with that said, we've got Ben Dietz coming in from Vice. Um, He is the SVP of sales at Vice. And we have a really, I think, exciting conversation kind of teed up. So hope you enjoy it all. We'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, 
Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax and unwind tonight with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy work week flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. What's up, Atlandia? We're back with Vice's Ben Dietz. Hi, Ben Dietz. Hi, how are you? Ben is the SVP of sales at Vice. That's true. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. So the story of you, you just told us that you were like employee number 16, no, 17. What I always tell people is when I got to Vice, I was one of 12 people in the office and I'm now one of 1,200 here in New York. Um, in terms of global seniority, there are 15 or so people who have been with the company longer than I. But, you know, that doesn't translate to anything other than just like showing up at the office for the most continuous number of days. So how many years is that? 13. You know, it's so funny when people talk about new media, by the way, on that note, um, sometimes they'll say in Vice, and I'm like, dude, Vice has been around since like, I don't know, the early 90s? 1994. And I remember reading Vice in uh, like early 2000s, mm -hmm. going, okay, this is cool. This is new. I can get into this. And I was a big indie music fan, and I, you know, bordered in the punk world and all this stuff, and I, I loved the things you guys were talking about. At that point, it was a lot of like music culture, you know, yep. content. Yep. And now you guys have evolved into, you know, a full-blown media company and news organization. Yeah. What I often tell people is that I picked up Vice for the first time as a 23-year-old marketing assistant at a record label on a skateboard, literally. And I'm now the father of two with a mortgage and, a, you know, a whole adult life. But Vice has continued to be 
a consistent source of culture and of news for me throughout. That has changed from being super music related, you know, when I worked in the music business to being much more concerned about now macro issues in the world. But I think it's a testament to the vision of the guys in the first place that they set up a, a business that would be able to grow with audience while at the same time bringing new audiences in through exploring other topics that we'd never thought of. So if, if you were to channel Shane Smith today, would the Shane Smith vision for Vice um, have deviated from its original intent today as opposed to 1994? Well, I, I think there's two things. Or would I believe that the guys were so prescient in setting up in the first place? This is Shane and Saroosh in 1994, you know, bolstered by guys like Eddie Moretti, who's our, our chief content officer and the president of Iceland, and Eric Lavoie, who is the publisher for many years and now runs uh, BD for our, our agency group. Um, those guys wanted to tell stories to their friends in the voice that they spoke to their friends in, and they wanted to just make sure that the content was available wherever their friends wanted to consume it. So I don't think there's ever really been a pivot in terms of changing those two axioms. And then beyond that, Shane is, I don't know if you've ever spent any time with him, but he is a huge personality and somebody that believes that he can uh, take on the world and should because there's a better way to do it than the world you know, maybe operating with. So I, I don't think it's been, there have been pivots. I think it's been uh, evolution throughout as we've gotten older, as we've gotten more successful, as we've come to the sense that possibility was more than possibility. It was achievable and it was at our grasp. And, and then that it was responsibility, yeah. which is kind of how we yeah. feel now. So you said something about Vice kind of having grown up, kind of gotten into its maturation years, however many, now we're in decade two, um, three. Of the, three of the business. If you, as the head of sales, what um, are some of the ill kind of conceived notions about what Vice was as opposed to where it is now? And if you were kind of walking in to, to meet with Alexa and I today, what would be sort of the elevator pitch for what the brand stands for in today's culture? Well, look, I think to answer the misconception thing first, the primary misconception that we have struggled with over the course of time is that we are in it to be provocative or to uh, be controversial in any way, shape, or form. The fact of the matter is that we are not provocateurs. We are, we hope, reporters of the vernacular and and the, the, the culture of young people. Um, but it's hard because sometimes young people speak in terms that are not, you know, the most palatable to big companies. And sometimes because that reporting is unvarnished and, you know, is very different than what people are used to receiving. Um, so that's the bit that we struggle with. The bit that I think we try to cast ourselves as now is, A, the most important because of the breadth of stories that we cover and the inclusivity of our point of view, and B, the most influential in that we are willing to take on forms and formats that nobody else uses or does to driving the media landscape forward. Uh, for young people especially, but hopefully increasingly for, you know, audiences generally. What does that look like? Because I think a lot of people are like, yeah, VR, oh, yeah, podcasting, oh, yeah, this and that and that. But it, it's not necessarily those types of formats that you're talking about. No, I mean, look, I, I think it's the when we launched the nightly news show on HBO, Josh Tierengel, who came over from Bloomberg to run that and has a great news background and ironically is a was an inspiration of mine in college. Hmm. He just said, basically, look, if we want to transform the nightly news show, let's get rid of the sacred elements of it. Um, and I'm putting words in Josh's mouth here, of course, but it's like, get rid of the host, get rid of the voice of God, have it be uh, an experience that flows the way that content flows through your social feeds or through the modern content feeds. And that's going to be demonstrably different than anything else in the news space. And it's going to be more in tune with the way our audience wants to consume. And I had a, a really fascinating meeting the other day with some of the news producers who pointed out one of them came from radio and she's been in charge of producing a lot of segments that are animated because she's like, look, <laughs> there are things you can do in the audio medium that you can't do with film medium, but I can then animate them and I can bring all of the depth of film and, and sight, sound, and motion to them without changing the fundamentals of you know, the moment. Yeah, the story. Yeah. One of the yeah. things that, and, and Alexa and I 
for years have been sort of frustrated with the way people say TV has to fit into the confines of linear. And so, you know, live allows us to challenge some of that. But you guys have presumably taken on what I've enjoyed. And I think we've actually talked about it on the show quite a bit is about creating stickiness in formats that don't necessarily lend themselves to innovation. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I appreciate, I think at one point said, like, pull this to the front of your presentation was, it was the first time I had heard somebody talk about using commercial pods or breaks in shows to create more sticky content. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think you refer to them commercials. I think you say interstitials. And so kind of challenge. And I know that the, the semantics. We, we say pods. We, but, talked, yeah. we talked about this a couple yeah. of years ago when I was like 800 months pregnant. We were talking about that was you were yeah I was eight hundred months pregnant and it was hotter than hell and it was in Brooklyn. You guys made me walk up a lot we of stairs. I remember that. It was so wrong. No, no, no. That was it because it was before the elevator was done. We talked about this yeah. and it was the major differentiator than any other conversation I had had at the time. And we were sitting down and I had just been in like China like five months before. Talking to some of your counterparts at right. Vice China yep. and talking about how um, you had no rules. That, I mean, to me, it was that simple, right? It was like, we don't have rules in terms of like 30 second time limits. We don't have, we're not locked into something. Yeah, or 30 minute programming. Or 30 minute, pro- exactly. The broadcast and Laura and I were like, yes, this is what we're talking about. And I think it's cool. Like there's a very small group of people today that we can talk to or put into this sort of club that is taking the format of linear or just broadcast television and saying, why does it have to exist in 30 and 60 minute programs? Why can't it be a bunch of 12 minute, 30 second, two, you know, whatever minute pieces strung together to tell great stories. So can you talk about sort of where the inspiration of that has gone post HBO and into the Viceland world? Yeah. I mean, I think the interesting thing is to go way back actually. And I don't know if either of you saw the episode of epically latered, which is the, our longstanding, like since literally 2007 skateboard show, but we just brought it to Viceland and we did an episode on Spike Jones, who is of course the co-president of the network. And then also one of our creative eminences from back in the day and a a partner and a friend and somebody who you kind of look like Spike Jones. Does anyone (laughs) ever tell you that? yeah, I've heard it once or twice. <laughs> okay. I, I, I take it as an incredible Huge compliment. compliment. An incredible compliment. Huge compliment. Spike's a very handsome and very lithe young man. <laughs> um, but if you go back to the culture that Spike came out of, the DIY culture that Shane and Sarouche came out of, the filmmaking culture that Eddie came out of, what I think you find is this common um, you know, approach to storytelling, which is very iterative, which is not terribly concerned with format. Um, but is more concerned with experimentation and fun and which is kind of always on, right? And so when you come out of those worlds, the idea of this super segmented experience of linear or of any medium feels a little stunted, right? And and even like if I think about skateboard magazines when I was a kid I, and I grew up reading them and looking at Spike's photos and we've gotten to know each other a little bit over the course of time, it's like the ads were content, the content was ads, it was all the same experience. It was all seamless. And I think the, what, what they wanted to create with Viceland was just that experience of constant voice and um, an interest that extended through the advertising and, and extended through the content and went back into the advertising. Because the truth of the matter is brands can and should operate in, in every media platform so long as they're adding value and so long as they're, they, they make sense there, right? Yes. Like I don't read Vogue for the articles in Vogue. I read Vogue for the ads. And that's not because I work in sales. It's because I want, or in media, it's because those ads are giving me the full spectrum of viewpoints, not just what an editor has picked out for me to know. That's note. a really, really interesting point. <clears throat> so I, yeah. Like the fact that it's not what the editor has curated. It's kind of this bifocal kind of intersection of culture and content and Right. I guess what else somebody would curate for you. Oh, I, I've never actually thought of it that way. And I think I, it's really I, interesting. I, I think you have to, and I think you have to, part of it, right, and part of setting up an ad ecosystem like that or a, a, a consumer experience like that, an audience experience, is that you are really giving the audience full credit for being able to know what is valuable to them, what is authentic to them, and what is not, whether it is picked by an editor and highly, especially curated, or whether it is placed there by a publisher who is either canny or not. Um, the audience ultimately makes a decision about that. And I think, I think 
you know, the more you're able to create a native environment for content and uh, advertisement, the more credit you're giving to the audience. I also think you're giving a ton of credit, and I've been like dying to say this as we're talking. Like you're giving a, a lot of credit to brands that they actually should be there. And it's weird. I actually think brands have like a little bit of a self-deprecating attitude nowadays, where they don't actually think they belong at the same level right. as content. Well, you know, as like right editorial. I just content. finished recently um, Andrew Essex's book, The End of Advertising. I think the point that Andrew makes very uh, sharply and and cleverly, maybe not even cleverly, just effectively, is that the entire model has been based on interruption to this point. And because we have now the effectiveness and some of the placements of advertising breaking down with TV viewership decreasing, with, you know, all of the fraud and and, and spoofing that goes on in the digital world – it's easy as an advertiser, I would imagine, to look at it and go, yeah, people kind of don't want me here. I mean, I've been interrupting them and I've been, you know, serving them crap in places that they didn't expect to see it. And so I should occupy this position of liability. I don't think that's true. I think I think they, I think I think brands need to step up and go, I need to be a contributor here because if I'm not, I'm nobody's going to pay attention. That's right. I agree. I also think they need to see that they have value. Yeah. That's, for me, the most important part of the conversation. Laura was on a panel last week at Advertising Week, and she said something I thought was really right and smart. Um, Thank you. You're right. You're welcome. You're right. And welcome. <laughs> moderated. It panel um, was moderated by my colleague, Spencer Bain, wasn't it? It, our it chief was. Strategy officer. It was. And she said, you know, brands are going to start um, getting into this space because they ha- they're getting pressed to act. Accountability in a post-truth world. Accountability in a post-truth world. And I'm I'm totally paraphrasing, but that's exactly what we're talking about. And it's not just no one's going to pay attention to you if you don't get in this game. It's you need to go deep and find your own value, Mm -hmm. find where your employees value you, find where your consumers and customers value you, and then bring it back into some kind of, you know. I don't content think, or entertainment experience or something. I don't think we spent enough time in the show talking about the role of sales in our industry and something that you said sparked a thought. And I think, you know, I've, I've struggled with what is the role of a salesperson in this sort of post, you know, content driven world where all the lines are blurring and you've got programmers, you've got engineers, you've got product people, which are normally the people that I want to talk to. But I think what you just identified a minute ago in terms of talking about the role of sales in programming the spaces that an editor-in-chief or, or um, yeah, I guess you would call it an editor-in-chief is responsible for programming. Versus a publisher. Versus a publisher. Um, is it fair to say, Ben Dietz, in this new world we're playing in, that you're really sort of an editor in commercial? Because I think it's interesting when it kind of takes the role and responsibility on the salespeople, not just to think about making and the post-sale, um, but actually programming the space. And I think when we start taking salespeople out of just the transactional part and start moving them into the production part, that's where it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I don't think all salespeople can do it. but Well, it, it's it, OK. So I, I should hasten to say that to call myself an editor, much less an editor in chief, is a radical overreach that I would never uh, ascribe to. But it is I think what you've identified is that is a belief that I've held for a long time, which is that Salespeople, development people, brand connections people, whatever your job title is, pre-sale, thinking about how to try to solve a business's problem through your platform, is that you have to think from an editorial point of view about what's the audience going to care the most about and what are they going to take away from this and how, if I were sitting on the other side of the screen or the magazine or the television, um, how would I interpret this brand's presence here as the most additive and the most interesting? Um, can I, can I digress for a second? Cause I just want to, yeah. I want to tell you a story that I thought, I, I, well, yes. it's one of my favorite anecdotes of late. It's about vice, of course, cause all my favorite anecdotes are that <laughs> and skateboarding. Um, I came home the other night. Well, this is probably a couple of weeks ago now after, you know, being out with some clients, uh, talking about, you know, whatever it is that we talk about in the sales and business development world with our clients and having had a couple of wines, shall we say. And, uh, That's my I, favorite, Bendy. And I, <laughs> I put on Viceland, and it was the season finale of a show called American Boy Band, which is a show about uh, a hip-hop group called Brockhampton, fronted by a guy named Kevin Abstract. Kevin Abstract and his Brockhampton boys met on 
the Kanye Teta website or a, a message board a few years ago. This is a Kanye super fans and the trolls who love to bait them um, talking to each other about whatever it is that Kanye was working on circa my twisted dark fantasy. And um, Kevin found a community of sort of like-minded weirdos in that message board. Um, he is openly gay, is you know, openly going through this journey of self-discovery, really fascinating character. But he put together this crew of people largely through sort of sending messages and, and, and songs back and forth, formed them into a group. They all move into a house in, in L.A. and uh, then they start releasing music. The Internet through SoundCloud and, and Spotify and, and YouTube starts picking it up. And suddenly they have enough of a fan base that they can go on a national tour. So our guys um, said, we want to follow you on the national tour and go out as you meet your fans and, you know, find all these teenagers on this journey of self-discovery and this kind of stuff. It's, it's a real, you know, it's an, it's an American youth story in that regard. But the thing that happened in the finale, because I missed the entire show and I've, I'm going back and watching it VOD now. Um, the thing that happens in the finale is they get home from this tour, energized and exhausted from all of this, you know, experience that they've had. And they make something like five music videos over the course of a weekend Every one of them has a different style, a different production value, a different narrative, a different sort of platform-centric approach. And I watched the show, and in 22 minutes, they blew up ad agencies. I was just like, okay, well, that's the end of ad agencies right there. There needs to be a, a sound effect on that, Cam. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was just like, right, okay, so you've got 12 kids. Boy bands in, killed the ad agency. 12, 12 kids in a house in Los Angeles working at you know, this prodigious level of output um, with no rules, but also with uh, this incredible sense of, of of possibility and shared mission. And you're just like, okay, right. You're, that's going to come through my Facebook feed the same as a piece of content from Vice that we've, you know, labored mm -hmm. over and sent somebody to, 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 to Antarctica for. And at the same time, the TV spot or the um, you know, native ad or whatever it is that brands produce. And I was just like, shh, paradigm shift. It's interesting. From the first time I had our conversation, um, and I was skeptical, by the way, super skeptical. Laura will tell you, I was like, oh, here we go. For like, me, it was just was the like, gold not, ring, which we'll, we'll save for the outtakes. Yeah, we're going to save that for Instagram. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, what I was pleasantly surprised by not only was your shared love of art and your deep knowledge of data and other <laughs> things that I love. Um, More fluxus than data. But okay, sorry. Know. Yeah. Anyway, was um, you had a different rhetoric and a different language that you were speaking. Which it took us a little while, compare, by the way. Compared, compared to whom? Compared to other, other, I would say... Media companies. Yeah, other media companies and sales, heads of sales yep. and CROs at other media companies. Is that something that you're conscious of advice? I mean, when you're talking to advertisers, mm -hmm. right? And I was coming in as an advertiser and you're talking to an advertiser, you weren't saying authenticity. You weren't saying pre-roll. You weren't saying, and those are, you weren't even talking about tone and the relationship between your company and my company the same way most people do. Are you conscious of that? A, a little bit. The, does that make sense? Yeah, I have a point, but I want to hear his. his it, well, point, it, make, his no, it makes sense. It makes sense to me. I mean, look, there, there's there's kind of two ways to answer that, right? One is that at the end of the day, any business relationship is a human relationship, and if we don't like each other, the business that we're going to do is probably not going to be as fruitful as it could be if we liked each other. So, what I always try to do is find um, shared points of interest or or just you know points of human connection, right? Um, but I think the the thing that Vice does differently as a culture, those of us who've been around for any period of time, um, is that we, we've realized and internalized that with as many headwinds as we face because the company is called Vice, because we have chosen a path that um, is truthful and unvarnished and um, not necessarily to the, the, the conscription of, of traditional media, um, and can I add, and somewhat antagonistic? Well, we yeah. I mean, look, I, I think we can be. If I we, have to say that. I think we can be if we believe that the point of view opposing ours is wrong, right? Like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being antagonistic in that case. But um, it's it's not a that is not a mission, but it is certainly a byproduct from time to time. Um, the the thing that we realized was that if we don't charm 
and uh, and convince people that we are more than the sum of the printed page or um, you know the sum of the uh, of, of the stories that people have overheard about us um, that we were going to lose. And I think there's a, a I, I my favorite thing right is that our most senior executives send notes to each other and to our clients and to our friends, you know, people that we want to work with, which are to the effect of, you don't love me anymore. And that's the note. That's like Alexa on any given Tuesday. It, uh, right. But I mean, look, that's, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. are you, you guys are friends, right? Very, that's, very that's how so. you very talk to each so. other. You, you talk to you, you talk to your friends that way. Yeah. It's about signaling. Uh, I care more about you and and the quality of this relationship than I do about transacting at this particular time. And Shane, you know, there's a famous famous story within Vice where he he talked about somebody who was a dear friend of his um, early on in the company, and they hired him to come in and sell ads because the guy was so gung ho, and the guy couldn't get past the cold call routine of, "Hey, this is Ben from Vice. Uh, would you like to buy advertising at this time?" Yeah. And that 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 phrase is memorialized in our in our culture because it's like that's what you cannot do that it, for me. The way you articulate what you're doing, the way you talk about the relationship with the advertiser beyond the human relationship, right? The mm-hmm. actual artifacts of commercial, right? Sure. Of commercializing something, sure, is different. Two observations that I've noticed. That are clear distinctions, and if there are CROs listening right now, there are two notes that I would walk away from the school of Bendit sales. Would be, <laughs> one, um, the people that you hire are entertainers and they're creators, and I think there's a fundamental difference. You came here and didn't say that, you know, I'm a salesperson or I'm a business guy or, you know, I'm, I'm after the hustle. It's like I'm an artist and I love fucking skateboarding. I think well, that, that's totally, and this is where your background comes in. And, the way. You know, and, and I've met a ton of other people that have lots of passions that extend far beyond the advertising and marketing world. And I think that that speaks volumes about the way people conduct themselves, which goes to my next point is that people actually live and breathe the vice brand. Yes. And nice. I, I don't know how many um, people that I've met that they don't just pass through and they're there for 18 months and then they're dropping into my inbox from the next, you know, insert media publisher here. You guys walk around with you know, vice gold rings. And it's sort of this cult-like attitude um, that even if I, it's, I can't do business or for whatever reason, you know, it's, We're not, it's not, the do right, business. Not, yeah. not the right time, I still walk away from a conversation and go, those guys believe in the shit that they're selling. Yes. And I cannot say that. I can't even count on one hand the amount of sales organizations that I have met in this industry that I buy into the same way and buy into vice. So kind of shifting gears into sort of brand and media world, one of the things that you want to talk to us today about is the idea of sponsorships um, by any other name. Yeah. And I think you guys have kind of stood up and, and defied logic in terms of form and function. But what does that mean to you as somebody who's out there selling products every day? What does that look like? Well, okay. So I wanted I, – I, I texted you that I wanted to talk about sponsorship by any other name. Um, shout out to Shakespeare. Um, uh, because I wanted to, I wanted to throw that as a provocation to the two of you, because I believe in my conversations and in, in what I hear back anecdotally from, from members of my team that sponsor and sponsorship are essentially bad words that we should strike from our conversations as it relates to trying to convey how I bring value to you. Um, true or false? True. Uh, no, hold on. So I would say in the world of advertising, why that has become a bad and ugly word is because it's been on a lot of shitty banners and a lot of shitty media, right? And it has attached brands to things that they have no business being attached to. And I think that as the, as a word, right? And as a, um, as a meaning, it's actually quite nice. we we're, we believe in this, right? So we are putting our name on it. Now, what we've done to it is put sponsorship, sponsorship, sponsorship everywhere. And all of a sudden you've got Bud Light and I don't know, sponsoring, well, you know, important client of ours. So let's not talk too much. I'm not saying bad. I'm not saying it's bad Bud Light, whomever. I don't care. Like it doesn't matter who I'm you joking. are, like a bubbly drink, right? Bubbly drink against something that doesn't feel 
like the brand. I think when and that's a big issue. The industry has, as Alexa was saying, bastardized the word sponsor. And when somebody comes and they sell, typically say in this space, we want to sell you a sponsorship. I'm like, so if you don't sell it to me, you're definitely going to sell it to my competitor, right? It's become this sort of, um, it's become synonymous with badging and this idea that you've got a great idea to sell, just come in and you know, underwrite it essentially. Oh, also, and, and slap your, your shitty logo, logo on, on it. it. Yeah, and I think the the idea of badging or logo slapping um, has diluted, you know, the ability for brands to come to the table in an authentic, thoughtful, articulate, meaningful way. And so, Alexa and I are hell bent on the filter for successful partnerships um, with media companies. You know, under the title of co-produced in partnership with, because at least if you have to say if you something have to like say. that, because yeah. at least in our vein, that filter signals that this is something we sat down at the table at. We have a vested interest in, in collaborating on, and it's something we're going together to the marketplace with that is, you know, showing the shared ethos between our brand and, and your media company, for example. You know so, who did? I'm like, when you walked in the door, I was talking to you about this, the podcast mogul that's a Gimlet yeah. and loudspeaker uh, partnership. And I binged it in the last couple of weeks and like not a couple of weeks, couple of days actually. Um, because I got so into it and the way that they were doing um quote sponsorships, advertising, right? Um, is just smart. Was just right. So Bud Light, they were doing some Bud Light um uh mid rolls, I think. And they didn't feel like mid rolls at all. It was real content. It totally made sense. It was people sitting around talking about a specific thing in um, in hip hop music um, around a couple of Bud Lights. Now that sounds really trite, but the way they did it, and a lot of this is the beauty is in the execution. I just talked to someone about this the other day. Um, a lot of the beauty in these ideas is also in the execution. So you have to have the right producers. You yeah. have to have the right people. Well, you also sitting at the table. Yeah, I agree. You also have the have the you have to have the right attitude. I mean, to me, the the part of the the problem with our existing condition around sponsorship and part of and w- which we have to solve fast as an industry and that I think we've done a pretty good job of starting to move in the direction is that y- your y- your creative people your agency people your uh, your wh- whomever it is who are your wordsmiths and are going to represent your brand uh, when you are a brand when Whomever's going to, you know, represent your brand in those spaces, they have to be thinking like, how do I interrupt less? How do I add more? How do I how do I avoid uh, the simple tagline and think a little harder about what the 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 real intent behind the, the what do I want to watch? What do I want to listen to? What do I want to yeah, be entertained exactly. by? How do I actually want to commune with these people? All, 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 all that stuff. Can I just say this? I would love it. Can you guys maybe do this? You probably will never do this. But if a media company or a publisher actually asked for a true, like to brief the agency on what is your, or the, sorry, brief the client on what's your contribution. That's a good idea. I love That's that. A good one. Right? Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's and do that. I also like the, it's funny. <laughs> I'm going to tout one of my own sort of random ideas. I, I look, I think part of part of the reason we've been successful is because we're also open to random stuff like this. I wrote uh one of my guys who's in charge of our podcast efforts the other day. I said, hey, I was re- I was reading about um Spotify allowing advertisers to create their own ads through yes. their platform, which yeah. I think is really I, I have not explored what it's like technically, but I think as an idea that's really smart. We have on Viceland a an eight a six four six number where uh, our viewers call up and leave messages on the 646 number and we pair it with really beautiful scenic photography shot on drones that um, you know kind of brings us to bring, brings you out of the the content moment and brings you to this kind of uh, uh, meditative place and then you get somebody on the voicemail saying something really weird <laughs> I said to, I said to John who I sent this to I said hey why don't we set up a means by which brands can call our voicemail and leave their own ads like love you that. literally love speak into the into the voicemail I and leave that. your ad, and then we figure out a way to to run that at some kind of. You Should know, we have a promo code on this show so that I've brands been. can know, call up right? and say Adlandia ten, and they can get ten percent sure, off we'll their do that. first ad? <laughs> well, in any case, I like that uh, that thought, right? And and so it's smart. It's interesting, Laura. You said something to me a couple of weeks ago, which I loved and which I I. I would like to be the condition with which we work with all of our agency partners and brands. You said, 
yeah, we shouldn't ever RFP you at all. We should just call you up and say, here's an idea that we have. How do you interpret this? And, I haven't and, ever and RFP in like five years. We haven't done that years. in a long time. Well, you, I mean, look, you guys are, are, are way ahead of the rest of the business, although I think many people are now moving to, what, as I say, fewer, better partnerships and, and that kind of stuff. So, right. you know, hopefully there's inertia behind that thought. Um, the, the, the other thing that, that we don't get very often is um, – is brands explicitly saying to us, hey, this is how we want to be represented. Is this authentic in, in your space? And then being willing to hear to answer if the, the answer actual, is yes. The actual answer. answer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kill by DIY yeah. in the industry. What would you kill? What would you buy? Because it's that good. And what are you like? Fuck it. I could do it myself. Um, so kill is the uh, the sense that there is an easy solution that allows everybody to just plug and play, get the optimum results with the minimum friction, and uh, still entertain audiences and drive brand value. Just, guys, this is work. We call it work because it's work. You got to work at it. Yep. Amen. Um, buy uh, so many. I, I'd, I'd like to buy something that helps us fight the preconceived notion of what Vice was 10 years ago as being what Vice is now. But I don't think there's... Atlandia? You didn't buy it. I, I think, yeah, I think, you know, there, there, I don't think there's necessarily a silver bullet for that. I think that's, again, it goes back to the first thing. That's hard work. That's just us continuing to, to make our points over and over again. Um, do it yourself. I, I wish we could do, ironically, video syndication at scale ourselves. Right. Like we can do it working through the big platforms, but it's tricky to not control your own destiny and to um, have to be at their, uh, you know, subject to their business strategies and not to our own. So I would love to DIY that, um, which is going to make my platform people crazy because they were going to say, Ben, we've been working on that for years. And I'm going to say, yes, I know. <laughs> but at the same time. It's your opinion. It's my fantasy. Well, yeah. it's and my I think fantasy. It's a, as an industry, it's going to be an issue for every media company and every form content that they creators, like yeah. content creators if they don't own it. And so I yeah. think uh, eventually. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks so much Bendy. for coming. Thank my you pleasure. for coming. Where can people find you? I was just going to say, aren't you going to ask? Yes. Uh, <laughs> like, there's no, a sales guy. No, because I'm saying, like, <laughs> reach out to me, especially if you like that voicemail idea, because I'm really trying to, you know, I want to I make that Atlandia. 10. Yeah, exactly. That might throw you 10% or 10 cents. You'll say if you like, shit, get a call from No, me. I'm easy to remember. I don't carry business cards anymore, so I had to get a simple email address. It's just benadvice.com. Perfect. Thanks, Ben Dietz. My pleasure. Thank you guys very much. So that was a good conversation. I love being ben, around Ben Dietz. Ben Dietz, he's smart. Super smart, super articulate, thoughtful, considerate. Yeah, admittedly, I've gone from being a skeptic to sort of a super fan. Advice. Yeah. Yeah, you have. It's funny. Yeah, you it have. It took me a while to come around, and I think it was that very personality, and I think you were getting to it with, throughout the show, and just like what it means to buy into the whole thing. Yeah. And I think once you kind of get under the hood and understand the perspective that it is that they're after, which I think we've seen um, a great deal shine through um, in recent light of just things going on in culture. Um, I've really enjoyed their perspective. I think it's needed. Yeah. And they have a different vernacular. And I think that that's really interesting. And Ben is an amazing uh, representation of that. So, you know, intelligent. And uh, I think thoughtful about how he approaches clients and quote unquote selling or as he says salesman with a capital s which i think was really kind of funny anyway so ben deets big thanks appreciate it hope you um didn't miss your daughter's soccer game and uh big thanks to cameron drews our producer you're looking a little bit shy of 18 years old cam so we're really proud of you that you're kind of we're almost at 18 episodes i think he's 18 years yeah probably also our friends and family at panoply matt turk andy bowers Jacob Weisberg. Thanks, everyone. But one more thing before we go. One more thing. It's a request out to the Adlandia community. We've had amazing reviews. We're having great conversations, but we would love you guys to review. If you're enjoying the Adlandia experience, we would love you guys to review Adlandia on Apple Podcasts. So please go over to Apple Podcasts, go to the Adlandia page, click on the review tab, 
write us a review. And don't forget to follow us on Atlandia Podcast on Twitter. We are having so much fun going back, debating, retweeting all of the fun things that you are finding in the industry. Don't stop. We'll be back in two weeks with an all new episode. Get it, get it, Atlandia. Full disclosure, our opinions are our own. And as the outro question, what does it take to get a vice gold ring? <laughs> so uh, the vice gold ring is given to people at some point in their tenure at the company. There, And I say this in all sincerity, there is not a lot of rhyme or reason to it. Um, we've started to put in some processes where you know, people who are outstanding performers get nominated by their managers and stuff. But for years, you got one because you were there at the right time. And uh, I happened to be there in you know, November of 2005, which was the right time to get. So is it real gold or gold plated? Oh, no, this is gold. This is gold. And that's part of the reason that that not everybody has one. Your best brand partners have the opportunity to get one because I really want one. So (laughs) you're not a brand partner. You're an agency partner representing many, many brands. (laughs) It's interesting. All the more reason. You should ask if I hit a certain number. (laughs) If we can get some thresholds. Um, I, I will say this. We reserve the the rings for family and so um there may have been one or two partners over the course of time who come to be regarded as family and may have been bestowed you just, something you just but, gave laura a goal ps but, but, i just want but, you to know she's relentlessly competitive <laughs> and you just gave her a goal That's, i'm i'm happy i'm you know i like working with laura but by the same token i think we've been able to use the sort of mystique of the gold ring to create value for some of our other partners we did a, a huge program with geico recently and the team that worked on that as a shout out to the geico team made geico gold rings and that team like wears for for real gold act- uh yeah i think it so might have been 15% what, who makes 15% gold? 15% off. Oh, my God. Oh, Come on. That was brutal. Ben. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ben. You are welcome back anytime. You're we off the show. Love- <laughs> Thank you very much. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We went from normal life, healthy child, to acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.